Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. It worked out cool. I had the La Casa guys sharing anyways, and we had planned on starting next month. Um, once a month, we want to have one of our ministry partners up here because our hope is, and we talked before about, uh, I think this was in May, we talked about as a church, we really want you to be more involved in the work that we're doing. So instead of branches just sending a check out to the ministry partners, we want us involved as a church. But you don't know these different groups. So this is our goal for this year. Um, And it'll be a continuous goal for who we are. But we want everyone in the church, so if you consider this your church, we want you to choose one of these ministry partners that you'll be involved with, whatever that looks like. But to do that, you have to know them, right? So if you don't already know them, and choose one. So it's not like, oh, yeah, you guys. No, if this is your church, then just choose one of those. And all of these ministry partners are partners that are from within um, branches. There's leaders here, there's staff here, and, and that's how it happens. It takes a while because we, don't, we just want to make sure it's what the Lord's calling us to. So when you look at those, if you haven't already chosen one, choose one. Um, today just happens to be the one where we're talking about La Casa. There's Young Life. There's Awareness Cambodia, there's Nuru, there's I Sanctuary, there's La Red in El Salvador. So those are our partners. Um, and La Casa, we kind of, it's kind of our love laboratory. It's like our laboratory of love. And you're going to see what I'm talking about here in a second. Because with our experience as individuals and um, for branches and for myself personally, like I've had this passion to go and work with the last, the lost, and least. Go to the poorest. And so when I was in college, right after I'd become a believer, I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I'd go to these different countries. We'd go to the inner city. Um, My first job, I I wanted to work in the inner city, so I was in inner city San Diego. And, um, but the thing was, is, is I wanted to go make a difference. Sounds good, doesn't it? Like, yeah, let's make a difference. Be significant. It sounds good, but really, it's just, it's another form of control. Like, I want this, so I'm going to go do this to get this. And so my friend Paul, who I actually went to high school with, and we went in the same direction with different groups, and such a dear friend. So when we talked about working in El Salvador, it was cool for us to realize the conclusions we came to. His job, he's actually part of an organization where he's a leader, one of the higher-ups, and they have an $800 million budget. And you're like, wait, did he just say? Yes. They have an $800 million budget a year to care uh, for the last, the lost, and the least around the world. And his job in particular is projects and things like that. And so when we talked about partnering together in El Salvador, he said, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Like, when you bring your people, just don't come to do things. Which is weird when you're talking to the guy whose job it is to do things, Right? And the guy whose job it is to do projects says, when you come down here, if you do projects, it doesn't really make a difference. He said, but what we need, what our people need here is to have friends that will come down and actually be with them and care about them and know them. And then come again. And there will be this ongoing relationship so that our people know we're not alone. And so when we... um, 
for, this has been, La Casa's been a dream for a long time. And it's a laboratory of love, I say, because we've learned from our mistakes. And we're going to look at that today. So then how do you love? Well, how do you move forward? What does that look like? Well, when you're loving, you have to completely let go of control. And so with La Casa, the, the vision is, is, it's very simple. What do you do? Learn and love. Now, learn, what does that mean? Well, that's the most important part. Because what you're doing is you're coming there to learn what God is already doing and to see, as Zach talked about, how beautiful the people are that are already there. Because what we typically do is go, okay, good, we'll get a house in there, we'll get these programs going, these projects, we'll get these things going, and then it's going to be awesome. And you have no idea who the people are, you have no idea what's going on. And then when you actually move in there and decide to learn, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm learning from them on what it looks like. Like, I thought I was going to come in and make this difference, but they're changing me. So we're going to look at that from a scriptural point of view. Um, and this is a big deal. We've been talking about this for the past couple weeks, about how to love, um, and especially in terms of control. And so here in Matthew uh, chapter 22, 37 through 40, it's just one passage where there's the greatest commandment. And Jesus asks, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love God and love people. And then he says this, everything, all the law and the prophets, the entire Bible, everything, everything hangs on this, hangs on this. Think about that, hanging. Now, that word literally means hang, like hang like a coat. But I I was thinking through, how do I describe this? So I got to double check. Okay, good. Um, So I'm not wearing a belt, but I've got this red, these are like fancy O'Neill shorts. And they have this little, like, drawstring thing. Everything here, these shorts, are hanging by this. If I pull this thing, you're all walking out. Okay? I have a bunch of jeans at home that never seem to fit right, and I got to put them on, and I have to have a belt. I got three belts. They're all ready to go. Because my pants hang on those. Without those, everything falls. This is a big deal. Jesus is saying, look, the greatest commandment... Everything hangs on this. So if everything hangs on that, we need to know what it means. We need to be experts in it. We need to be intentional. We need to be striving in that direction every minute of every day. Because everything that you think you have going on this week that you think is important, everything that you think is happening this afternoon, everything that you think was important last night, this morning, it doesn't matter in comparison to this. Because everything has to hang on this. This needs to be the focus, the purpose of our life. But the reality is, most of the time, it's not. So for um, La Casa, there was this quote I heard from a a hero of mine, Henry Nouwen. And I want to read this quote to you. We have it on the website for La Casa, but I carry it around with me on my phone. So it's not like we just got it for La Casa. But it, it was something that influenced me as I saw my failures and our failures as the people of God trying to do projects and this Henry Nouwen, who's basically an old priest, and he's passed away since, but he's looking back at his life. And he's in South America at this point. It's a book called Gracias. Um, if you could put that up, that'd be great. Do, do you know where it is, John? It's, um, it's a long quote. You don't have to read it as long as you hear it, um, but here it goes. More and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, 
The guy's in South America. You're like, throw water? What are you talking about? He's in South America. And be known as someone who wants to live with them. Let that sink in for a second. Do you do that with your, your literal neighbors? Do you even do that with your friends? <laughs> Think about that. It is a privilege to have the time to practice this simple ministry of presence. Still, it's not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up by meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It's difficult not to have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing, now this is important, he's not saying all those other things aren't important. That's really important to hear. Because the projects and those things, it's not that they're not important. But he says the first thing, I wonder if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them, but truly love them. And I call La Casa our laboratory of love because for me personally, like as I've seen what's come out of the neighborhood, I've seen what's happened to our guys that live there, I've been learning from them. I've been learning from their stories, their experiences. I've been learning from when they take me in and introduce me to people. And I'm like, the word of God's actually coming, it's not just black and white, it's now in color. Oh, this is what it really looks like. And I don't want to overdo this. These dudes are normal dudes. They're not like, oh, guys. And we'll get to that in a little bit. In fact, there's a a new guy that's moving in. He can't leave without you guys greeting him. Uh, So where's Matt? Matt, can you stand up? So he's going in soon. This is our, our ginger duck dynasty right here. So all, all bearded ones, make sure you guys connect. Um, and so he's coming in as a normal guy. He's going to leave as a normal guy. But God does amazing things in them while they're there. And they're learning and we're learning from them. And I'm going to have a couple of them come up here in a little bit. But we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 through 13, because we all have this desire to do something significant. In fact, some of you guys might look at these guys on La Casa or the other ministry partners, and you're going, well, they're making a difference, but I'm not. That's how we think. We think, oh, well, am I doing something important? Oh, that person is, but my job's just this. Or I do my job, but then I have to do something important afterwards. That's how we think. Well, the word of God says otherwise. It doesn't say those things aren't important. It doesn't say that you shouldn't choose a job with the intent of serving others. It doesn't say that you shouldn't make a difference for social progress. It doesn't say that you shouldn't get people together around an urgent cause. But we need to do the first thing first, and that's so difficult. We should probably just stay there, and the other stuff will happen. Like we tell the guys, learn. As you're there learning, then God will move in you, and you'll be able to love. And it won't be a forced thing. It'll just be natural. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love. Okay, now, we can read this and kind of not get the significance of it, right? So hopefully you have your Bibles, because I see you guys looking at me. I see you looking up there. But grab your Bibles. If you don't have Bibles, look next door. I want you to see it with your own eyes. 
as uh, Shane said a few weeks ago, like we want you in the word of God, looking at it. Um, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, which is another way to say I'm a fancy speaker, okay? I know that some of you see other speakers or teachers or communicators and you're like, they're doing the work of God. But what Paul is saying here is, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, and I'm kind of a big deal, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. As a person right here who has a mic connected to my mouth, this scares me because I know it's true. If I have the gift of prophecy, which is another way God gives me a message and I'm sharing it with other people. Could be from up front, could be one-on-one, but there is that gift. So it's a literal gift. So you have this gift and God's provided it and you know how all things work and you have all knowledge, which means you have all knowledge. Imagine that. Imagine you had all knowledge. Like you knew everything. Not like I know a lot. I, I destroy on Jeopardy. No, I mean like you know everything. And if you have a faith that can move mountains, which means I know what God can do, and you put all your hope, I mean, that's huge, right? That's what we're calling, turn to God and be saved. But if you do all that and do not have love, we are nothing, okay? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, so, which means you give everything you own and you're doing everything you can to care for the poor with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You're pouring yourself out for those that have very little. If you're doing that, but you do not have love, you gain nothing. I like the way just above it, it says that if you um, have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, you, I am nothing. And then if you give everything to the poor and you give your body over for suffering so that they could have no suffering, but you don't have love, then you gain nothing. I like the, the connection there. I am nothing, I gain nothing. Because sometimes we love to, to be something or to gain something. But it starts with love. And then we get to the point, okay, what does that practically look like? Okay, I'm supposed to love. Well, what does that look like? Well, I want to bring up, um, well, before we move on to that part, I want to bring up Aaron. And Aaron, I'll give you this mic. You're, you're a giant, so you can do it from down there. And can you share from the lab, the lab of love, and you just turn and face them and tell them what you've learned from this first part of 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, about trying to gather people around something and do something significant versus... I definitely came into La Casa with the mindset that we're going to do awesome events and tasks and, like Boog said, rally people around me. Um, you know, I went on a study abroad trip where we'd go to one country for two weeks, we'd do something, and then we'd leave. And there was no relationship there. And a lot of those things, I don't even know how they're faring today. Um, but there's two things that I've really learned since being at the La Casa Laboratory of Love. And uh, the first one is that I was doing that. I had that mindset for my own personal satisfaction. It's like you go do things. And you can come back at the end of the day and realize, oh, I, I can check that box. I did something today. I can put that on my resume. And another thing I realized is most of the time, you're actually damaging people by doing that. Because every day, we're having things marketed to us. Uh, whether it's a billboard trying to get us to buy something. Whether it's someone knocking on our door 
trying to share their worldview or their agenda with us, we become so callous to that. And when other people come at us with that mindset, it's kind of like, whoa, brother, I, I don't want to have a relationship with you because you just want something from me. And uh, one thing that Boog said to me that has really stuck with me is that conversation is ministry. You know, we all have people in our lives who have just shared one or two things with us that have stuck with us and impact us that we'll never forget. Um, and how beautiful is it to know that um, the gospel can be shared in one sentence? It's so simple. And it's just such an easy thing that uh, from that relationship, we can move forward. Um, and, you know, since I've had to try and train myself to, to break myself for that accomplishing event mindset, um, I've just been filled up so much um, with the gifts of God through my neighbors, you know. A neighbor is not someone that you get something from. A neighbor is someone that you just love doing life with. And that's what we've found in the community is we have people who we love our relationships with them. And it's just really cool uh, to be able to go home and be a part of a community and not be able to walk from your parking spot up to the house without saying hi to six kids or a few people. Um, and, you know, it, it's really been difficult to try and kind of retrain my, my brain, but the Lord's just providing. Um, and I think the thing that really kind of hit home with me is, um, you know, that's how God knows us, you know. He sent Jesus down so that we can have a reconciled relationship with him. And from that relationship, then, Lord willing, we can go accomplish his work. And so that's, that's kind of where I come from, coming into La Casa, and after being... Uh, in the laboratory, that's just kind of uh, something I've learned is the value of relationship, the value of human connection. And it's, it's really cliche. I think we hear it a lot. I heard it a lot. Um, but it didn't really hit home until I was in La Casa. And I think it applies to anything in our lives, whether it's at work, in our families, with friends, whatever. It's all just that human connection and relationship. So that's kind of where I'm at. I like the way that he defined neighbor. When Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself, the word neighbor does not mean the person that lives next to you. The word neighbor really means just whoever's closest to you. So it may be the neighbor that's there, but if you're somewhere else, it's that person. It's whoever is in your circle, not only geographically, but relationally. That's who we love. So as you're like, well, where, where, how do I do this? Do I have to move to some neighborhood? No, you already have people that are close to you. This very minute, you have people that are close to you. You're called to be in their life. You're like, well, I didn't say anything to this person. I mean, I'm not loving. Don't overthink this. In fact, as we continue going through this passage, we really overthink what it means to be love. And, and to love people, we also put too much pressure on ourselves. For decades, people have taken this passage and they've used it at weddings. And I've heard people do this in counseling. And I used to think, wow, this is really good. They would say, wherever it says love, put your own name in there. And that's what you're supposed to do when you get married. So, for example, if it's um, Noah, because he's not getting married anytime soon, but when you get married, some guy or some girl would say, hey, you know what, Noah, put your name here. So when you get married, you can say, Noah is patient. Noah is kind. Noah does not envy. Noah does not boast. Okay, now for you guys, if you put your name in there, and of course you're all looking at your Bibles right now, or if you're like, dang it, I highlighted it all last night, and I left it on the coffee table and forgot to bring it. Okay, then here it is right here. Well, that's not actually, it's the next one. But it says in there, love, it has all those. Imagine you putting your name in front there, right? 
that's what we do. And we look at that and we go, oh, so I'm one big fat failure. Because I look at that and I'm going, Boog is patient. I want to be. Or if I drop down to Boog keeps no record of wrongs, mm, not really the case. Um, Boog always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. No. But that's because we're not looking at it correctly. If you look at the whole word of God as a whole, it never tells us that we are supposed to be this. What is love? You've heard this phrase. It's from the word of God. God is love. So what this is saying is that God is patient. The Holy Spirit is kind. The Father does not envy, does not boast, and is not proud. The Holy Spirit does not dishonor others. God himself is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. And so the definition of love is not what you're supposed to do. It's who God is, which is completely different. Now, I can recognize when God's working in me and when he's not. Because when I'm not patient, that's me. And when there is patience, and often, well, let's rephrase that. Every time that happens, which is not often, I'm like, whoa. I've been in situations where I can't believe you acted that way. I'm like, trust me. I know myself well enough to know that God was working in that moment. This is to remind us that God is the one that does the love through us. When I talked about, guys, the laboratory of love thing, by the way, I just came up with it this week. That's why they keep laughing. They've never heard it till this morning. But it was obvious to me because I've seen these guys. They're normal guys. And yet God is the one that does these amazing things through them. Not like they're that way all the time, but they get to see that. And it reminds us that we are vessels for God to do what needs to be done. Isn't that exciting for us? Like, that should take a lot of pressure off you. Your responsibility is to be a vessel for Christ. This whole name that we have for this community of faith branches. It comes from Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me... And I in you, you will bear much fruit. And what's that fruit? Love. Um, If you go to Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits, there's no S in it. The fruit, what comes out when the Spirit, the Spirit of God is in us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You're really impressed I knew all those, don't you? Memorized it. If I could drop the mic right now, I would. You've got to know those, but not because you've got to do them and force it. You can't do that. You're going to fail. You're trying to control. You're trying to make it happen. And when we do that, failure ensues. God is the one that indwells us. And we need to know first what our responsibility is and this field that is ripe for harvest for us to love because there's people close to each of us. Um, Josh, can you share briefly your experience of why this is necessary, of why we need to do this. Uh, so I like to tell stories. Uh, and some of you who know me know I can be kind of long-winded, so I'm going to keep this one short. But there's, uh, there's a lot of stories uh, from the neighborhood, and I've shared this one with um, some of you before, but I think it's a, it's a good one uh, that points out everything that Book's talking about here. Uh, there's a lot of characters in the neighborhood, and they all have nicknames, sort of like church here. Uh, and there's this one guy that everybody calls Diablo, so you know he's just a sweetheart. 
And uh, he, uh, he's had a rough life, and you can tell just by looking at him. You know, he has a lot of scars, and just kind of, he's, uh, he's been through it once or twice. Uh, and he spent a significant amount of his life in prison. Uh, but now, he's uh, probably in his late 40s, early 50s. He's turned his life around um, uh, for his kids, who he doesn't see often, but he wanted to be a good example for them. And I see him around the neighborhood, and he's always hired at all the neighborhood parties to work security, because nobody's going to mess around if Diablo's there. And uh, one evening, it was actually New Year's Eve, um, and I was sitting at my neighbor's house, uh, eating food, drinking beer, because that's ministry, and um, I'm sitting there with Diablo, and uh, just, just hanging out, preparing for the new year. This is uh, our first year in the house. And he turns to me. And he says, why are you here? And I took it like he didn't want me there. Because it, it's easy to take it that way. And, and I said, well, I, I, I want to be with you guys. You know, I, it's New Year's Eve. You're my neighbors. You know, I want to be here. And he said, no, why are you here with us? I said, I, I don't really know what you mean. And he said, well, I, I've met your family. I've met your friends. I know you have other places to be. Why are you here tonight? celebrating with us. I said, because Diablo, you're my neighbors. Like, I, you're my friends, right? We're, we're friends, right? And he, he gets kind of serious on me, and, and he looks at me, and he says, um, I've worked in construction for, like, 10 years. I've been in this country for 20. And every day, I go to work, and... Uh, nobody speaks English to me. No white person talks to me. My boss doesn't even know I can speak English. It's the Hispanic foreman who translates everything that the boss just said, even though I perfectly understand it. He's never talked to me in 10 years directly. Talks through the foreman. And when I walk down the streets of San Juan, when I'm going to the store, when I'm going to church, whatever, uh, white people don't look at me. He, he calls us Americans. Uh, Americans don't look at me. They don't talk to me. They don't, they don't know I can speak English. And, and you, you're here with me. And you're my, you're my first American friend in 20 years. And I, was, <laughs> I said, Diablo, I, I, I just want to be around you. Like, I just want to be your friend. He said, that's important to me. You're a good friend. And uh, I, <laughs> yes, happy new year. And uh, <clears throat> went back up to my house and uh, I just sat there for a long time thinking about if I lived somewhere for 20 years and nobody talked to me because they thought I was different and they thought, I didn't care. Uh, and I learned a lot that night about what it meant to love someone, not as this thing I have to force or do with um, angel singing or whatever. Uh, it's a lot of times, almost all the time, people just need you to be around, and they just need your time. And uh, that's what love is in the neighborhood for us.
I want to invite the worship team up. They're going to lead some prayer and for the offering. This is difficult to negotiate right here. So what do you do with that? I think it's important. Why don't we just copy what we're learning in the laboratory? Learn and love. The people that are closest to you, learn about them. Get to know them. And Diablo, who's been living here for a long time, hasn't had one American believer, as he said, look him in the eye. And one of the things he said to, to Josh was, you're my only American friend. And then he thought about it. He's like, no, you're the only one that actually even talks to me. The only American that even looks me in the eye and talks to me. And I thought, well, if I had met him, I totally would have. I doubt it. Because if I'm being honest, I must have run into him somewhere, right? And he's not the only one. There are people all around that are close to us, that are in need, and they're invisible to us. When you buy a car, like, I, I remember when I first got my VW Bug, I mean, my VW van, I had a Bug too. When I got my VW van, and that was like my goal, like move up the line until, oh, and so I had my 68 van, and then I'm driving whenever you'd see all the other vans, and they'd see you, and you'd be driving, and they'd all see you because you're this far from the glass, and I'm driving, they're like, what's up? You know, you don't have to know them. We know each other because we got them. And I didn't notice how many vans there were until I got one. Well, so this sickness that I'm dealing with right now, um, in the morning, it's difficult to walk. So, like, if I have to be somewhere where there's a crosswalk, I'm that guy that's walking across like this, you know, and then you're sitting at the light going, oh, come on. And how do I know we're doing that? Because that was me. And I'd pull up into those things just going, oh, my gosh. Or I'd see them coming. I'm like, I better hurry up and get through. But I need to get through the intersection. Or I need to get past them. If they're going upstairs and I see them heading towards the escalator or the stairs, I'm like, I got to get there first. Because if I don't get there first, then I got to walk behind them. And if I pass them, then am I being rude? Like, what do I do? But here's the thing. I was at the mall this last week. And I had to meet someone there early in the morning. And it was up at the Spectrum. And so I get there, and I'm doing that crosswalk. And I'm like, no, go ahead, really. And he's like, no, go. And I was like, mm, no, really, you should go. And so he goes, and then I cross. And as I'm walking around, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that have this. I don't know exactly what their situation is, but there's a lot of people that are dealing with sickness. I never noticed them before. Never saw them. Because I didn't know it. Now, am I going to beat myself up? Oh, I'm a horrible person. No, because there's other people dealing with all kinds of things around us, and we don't see them. They're right next to us. We have to slow down and have eyes and a heart to see. That is what our call is. These projects, these ministry partners are doing amazing things. We're trying to get you connected with them. But what they're doing is not what's important. What you think you need to do, we need to love. We need to put their interests above our own. We need to let them know with words, actions, with our presence, that we don't simply love them, but that we like them. How do you do that? It's got to be the Lord. It's just surrender. And it's one step at a time. It's one person at a time. It's opening up our eyes. Can you stand and pray with me? And the uh, worship team is going to lead us in uh, one song.
and um, then JT will come up and give us direction on where to go from there. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your, your love for us. Teach us how to rest in that so that we're set free. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.